0: All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Pin High Podcast presented by Pin High Media. Uh, So this week, we got Mr. Style, former fashion director of Golf Digest, Marty Hackle on the podcast. And there's going to be two episodes this week. So this one's coming out on Monday, and then we have the next one coming out on uh, Wednesday for the Century.
1: This is Jordan Spieth here, and this is the
0: Pi podcast. Great interview with Marty Hackle, talking pretty much everything there is to talk about um, in like the golf fashion world. He talked about Dustin Johnson and how he's kind of like responsible for um, you know the reason he wears all all one color. Um, you know, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. We talk it all. So before we get into that. Quick little shout out to our sponsor, Roback. You can see right now, me and Jeek both have the Roback hoodies on. You kind of I got one for Christmas. And oh, I did as well. So amazing.
1: amazing. I have a great one.
0: Yep. No, the Roback hoodies, I mean, I can't say enough about, about the, like the polos and the hats and everything else as well, but the hoodies, I think, have to be their best, their best piece of merchandise. Yeah. Yeah. A pin high hoodie Oof. would be
1: honestly the best thing. Oh, so sweet. That I've just a little, like,
2: little like logo, like right in the corner mm-hmm.
3: where
1: the Robeck logo is, mm-hmm. or on the opposite side. Exactly. So, but, so, anyway,
0: to get 15% off, so you can buy one of the hoodies for yourself, or you know, one of their many other things, go to the link in our bio and you will add something to your cart and automatically get 15% off. There's no promo code. So, let's get into the interview with Marty Hackle. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Pin High Podcast. Uh, We're joined here by Marty Hackel, former uh, fashion director at Golf Digest. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Uh, Nice to be with you. Uh, So
0: first off, I just kind of want to start this off um, with a simple question of how does one even kind of get into the industry that you are in? Like what led to you becoming... Um, you know, the fashion director at at Golf Digest. What did you do beforehand?
2: Uh, Well, I would say that uh, I had a lot of luck and I was at the right place at the right time. I'm really uh, a merchant, uh, I guess, by career. I spent a long time at uh, Neiman Marcus in Dallas, Texas, and I left there and ran a company called Bottega Veneta, Uh, that sold wonderful women's fashionable handbags and luggage and briefcases. Then I ran a company called Alexander Julian, a menswear company. And that was right about in the middle of the 90s. And about in the middle of the 90s, I discovered golf. Or maybe golf discovered me, but Uh, It seemed that all of my friends were spending all of their weekends on the golf course and I wanted to hang out with them and I thought, well, okay, I'll try this game, but is it really a game? You can smoke, you can drink. I mean, that doesn't sound like a game. That sounds like a hobby, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel,
2: like, oh, I, feel, you know, no.
3: I guess you figured out why all your friends are on the golf course every weekend yeah. for that. Yeah. I
0: feel <laughs> like at our age, like we just graduated college and we've been golfing, you know, for Trevor's been golfing his whole life. And me and uh, Greg have been golfing, you know, since like around high school. But all of our friends now are kind of figuring out like what you basically figured out then that, that and they're starting to get into the game.
2: Oh geez, I wish I had learned that earlier. Um, and and one of my friends uh, worked at a company called Condé Nast, and Condé Nast had lots of really cool magazines—Vanity Fair and Vogue and GQ and cool stuff. And and Mitch was a you know a golfing buddy and a great guy who I had known from my days at Neiman's and he was at Bergdorf's. And, you know, we decided, you know, maybe we should start a buying service in the golf industry where we were hired by clubs and we went into the marketplace and we found great merchandise for these clubs, not necessarily golf wear, just great sportswear. And, you know, we kind of put everything together and packaged it for the clubs. We would go in and teach the, the, uh, the kids who were working in the golf shops a little bit about the merchandise, a little bit about fashion. We would help them with the displays. So we thought we had a hot smoke and business concept. And then one day Mitch called and said, oh, By the way, uh, my company has just purchased from the New York Times Golf Digest magazine. And I went, oh, God, that big, huge thing that comes out every month in those days is probably 225. I'm not sure I understand. uh, Sorry, Siri. Just... (laughs) Don't butt in anymore. Uh, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, this th- this would be a really, really, really cool thing, Mitch, and you should, you know, you you should have some fun with this. Well, he called the next day and said, yeah, well, seems like we bought it, and it seems like I'm now the CEO of Golf Digest companies. So I said, all right, stand by. Let me grab all of my issues. I like most people uh, at the turn of the century, if you will. I kept every Golf Digest issue that I ever purchased or received before I started subscribing because as a starting golfer, That was more or less my reference point. That was my place to to read every month about how not to hit that big slice and and how to improve my putting and, and how to hit it 10 yards further. So I had a big stack of Golf Digests and I sat down and I just looked at the covers and I started making notes. Well, you know, David Ledbetter's pants are up around his neck. You know, Butch Harmon, geez, Butch Harmon's shirt, two sizes too big. Uh, You know, and I just went from cover to cover, and then I started looking in the issue, and I said, you know, I love everything that you're doing, but I think you could enhance the presentation of all of that if you dressed any of the people you were photographing in the right size with appropriate and stylish clothes. And Mitch thought, ah, yeah, you know, Marty, that's that's a great idea. But you're going to have to sell that to the people, you know, who run the magazine day in and day out, the uh, editor-in-chief and the managing editors, and the instruction editor, and the travel editor, and all of those people. Uh, So I started going to lunch with the whole team at Golf Digest one by one. And then finally, one day, you know, weeks later, they called and said, you know, we think your idea makes some sense Why don't you come here and we'll create a post called the fashion director and you can oversee sort of fashion and style for Golf Digest and for Golf World. Because in those days, Golf World was a weekly and it was, you know, it was the news part of sort of, you know, the golf industry. Well, I'll tell you, it, it took me maybe two seconds to say yes. And uh, so I, I joined Golf Digest. And then for the next year, I kept explaining to people, yes, well, well, I'm only responsible for how people look. I'm just trying to make people look as good as they can look. You know, and these companies would come in and they'd have meetings with the equipment people and everyone and then on their way out they'd get introduced to me and they go you're what fashion what
0: fashion? yeah so i'm assuming i'm assuming that position just didn't exist not like i guess it existed in other industries but for sure not the golf industry
2: yeah exactly so we sort of pioneered it in the first year i went to probably 25 tournaments and all I did was walk up and down the range. Uh, spent a lot of time at the putting green. Got to meet some of the pros. You know, our instruction editors were there and they would introduce me. And, you know, most of the pros said the same thing. Style editor? Fashion editor? Huh? Huh? And then one guy, Steve Elkington, said to me, hey, yeah, you know, come on, let's have a coffee. I want to talk to you a little bit about fashion, you know. You know, I'm pretty particular about what I wear and, and, and how it looks. And I went, oh, geez, I finally found someone who understands what I'm talking about. You know, and then suddenly he introduced me to Scott McCarron. And then, you know, I started meeting more and more of the guys on tour. Well, after, you know, a year of going to maybe 20, 25 tournaments, you know, the players started to get used to the fact, oh, yeah, that's that's the style guy. Just, uh, you, you know, I, I, this is all that I have today that's clean. That. That's why I'm wearing this. Don't don't get on my case. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely, we got to meet everyone. And in those days, Tiger was wearing, this is 2002. Tiger was wearing pants that had pleats like the drapes in your grandmother's home. He had super oversized pants that he was secretly getting made at uh, Michael Jordan's Taylor. And it was a full cut. And I remember saying to him at, at one of the first shoots that I worked with, you know, Tiger, your dating life could improve dramatically if you started wearing flat front pants and clothes that fit you because you're in great shape, why are you hiding that? So if you go and look at a lot of the old images of Tiger from the early 2000s, you'll see he was swimming in those shirts. Now, of course he had a reason for that. And that's that's that Earl, his dad, was a little bit on the thrifty side, I guess we would say. And Earl didn't want Tiger spending a lot of money buying clothes. So Earl would give Tiger his golf shirts. Well, Earl was wearing an extra large. So Tiger got used to wearing an extra large shirt. And, you know, like, like most athletes, once you get into a, a certain routine and you and you want things that are familiar because you know you can deal with familiar and that fit was a familiar fit for tiger so that that's what he went with well you all know the rest of the story yeah, how, I mean, how quickly he did he sort that out
0: how quickly after after you said that do you think he uh, switched over the more tight fitting uh clothing.
2: Well, I would say maybe eight months, nine months. Yeah. I mean that was a it was certainly was a process. And you know, he's still giving me the same grief he was giving me back then, like, oh geez. Oh whoa, you know, every time I would see him. And of course he'd always have some comment about what i was wearing which was usually something like red pants or a bright yellow shirt you know he'd always thought that i looked like a some sort of signal on the highway or a yeah. safety cone or something
0: and so if you said uh, you know earl was passing him down shirts at this point and so i guess that begs the question like what were people's endorsement deals like back then with like any brands, like giving them clothing, if any at all?
2: Oh, well, you know, Tiger signed a deal with Nike pretty quickly uh, once he became a pro. And Nike started, you know, providing everything for Tiger. And, and I would say that Tiger's appreciation of good fit um, was not just the result of me making comments I think the team at Nike also recognized, you know, you know, this is a this is a great athlete we're dealing with here. And we can, you know, help him look like a world-class athlete. And in those days, in the beginning, you know, you could sense there was something special about Tiger. You know, if you stood on the range and you were blindfolded and you listened really carefully, you could tell exactly where Tiger was standing and where he was hitting balls because the sound of the golf ball coming off his club was different than anyone else. So... You know we knew we were in rear air when it came to tiger and you know the rest is history
0: right and he's also back then he also uh occasionally i don't know at, at what point he stopped he was wearing you know the straw bucket hat um you know he, the gold chain he was wearing some really ridiculous stuff
1: back in his amateur days for sure
2: yeah yeah when he won the amateur remember he had that straw hat on he looked like he was on vacation
1: spot shirt the big stripes
2: yep yep <laughs> yep but he was still he was he was still golfing that ball pretty well then i yeah. mean he had some pretty memorable you know, experiences. And then he went to Stanford for a while. And, you know, I think that, you know, playing on the collegiate team also had a bit of influence, you know, in his style. Not that he was taking a lot of notes from Nota Begay, but, uh, you know, he he started to progress. And, you know, now he... We all know what he's going to wear on Sunday and we all know how he looks. You don't even have to see his face. You can just tell from the shoulders down when Tiger, you know, walks onto the range or walks up to the first tee.
0: Right. And so obviously it's changed so much, even in the past, like call it like two, three years, um, or even the past year. Cause you've seen the, like, the emergence of, um, you know, hoodies being worn on the golf course. Um, you've seen like people almost wearing like jogger pants um, look with, like Eric Van Rooyen. What do you think of that? Are you are you a fan of, of, of that style? It seems it seems like you'd like that.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, style evolves in, and, and, you know, nothing wrong with hoodies. I mean, and I think joggers are great. Now, joggers are great on the right type of person. And on Eric Van Royden or, or Sam Ryder, you know, they look great. But most people don't look like Sam Ryder, you know, six foot one, 175 pounds, hits the ball a mile, great guy, very fashionable, wearing, both of them were wearing Grayson. and uh, And they look great. So I think that's terrific. When we see change mm-hmm. you know golf golfers generally is a group the older golfers you know are a little bit slower you know to what to a, you know adopt this stuff today you know if you want to dress a 60 year old golfer you you know all you need to do is go down and buy a pair of khaki shorts and a white shirt and he's going to be perfectly happy if you do that, you know, with your 18 year old cousin, you know, he's going to laugh you out of the room if that's what you bring in.
0: I think the whole thing is just like looking presentable. Like, you know, some guys aren't going to look as presentable in a hoodie as others. um, So maybe it's not for them, but like, it's the same thing with shorts. I think, you know, someone like JT, he's very fit. I think he would, you know, pull off shorts very well. Even though, you know, I I don't know if that's ever or how soon it's going to happen that they're going to allow shorts to be worn on tour. But you know, hoodies can be made presentable, joggers can be made presentable. I don't think that like you know the old fashioned um, thinking of like you know how that's like kind of informal. um, I think that's all changing.
2: Yeah, I think it is too. Now you know if you called up Phil today. And asked him, he, he, he'd prefer to play, you know, in shorts, but, you know, he's got he's killer great legs, you know, and he <laughs> loves to show them off. But my only problem with tour players on practice days when they wear shorts is, and I think particularly for the fans in the stands or behind the ropes, sometimes you can't tell whether it's a caddy or a, or a player, you know, that, that's walking down the, down the fairway. So I, I don't know about you, but I play a little bit better when I wear, you know, nice trousers and a nice shirt. I uh, went to a little pop-up shop yesterday in New York City um, to see uh, a little company called Sid Mashburn, and uh, you know they dress, you know probably the the only guy on tour right now who really really appreciates great style, Matt Wallace, who's you know a terrific player, and he wears only cotton shirts, and he wears wool trousers. He wears nothing that's synthetic. And he seems to be getting on perfectly fine, whether he's playing in the Sony in Hawaii, or whether he's playing in November, you know, in a stiff breeze at St. At Simmons Island, you know, so... You know, it it works for him. And boy, he always looks great.
3: And yeah, speaking of like brands and players and how they collaborate, um, how much say do players really have in terms of like what they wear and like, you know, what colors? like me as a weekend golfer, I could go into my closet and say, I want to wear this pink shirt today. But like, as we've seen on social media and stuff like that, brands are posting the outfits out like weeks in advance from when they're playing.
2: Oh, yeah, companies script what we would call it scripting. Companies script out six to eight months ahead of of when the player is actually wearing those clothes. And, And this has been true for a long time now that because the delivery cycle is getting even more extended as a result of COVID. Companies are planning either, you know, at least that far out. I mean, Matt told me yesterday that, you know, he's already figured out, you know, what he's going to wear at all of the majors next year. And if you called up Nike right now, that they could, not that they would, but they could tell you exactly what all of their players are going to wear. Now, they've got so many players that for Nike, the reason why scripting is important is they don't want their tour players to look like they're part of a marching band. So they want to make certain that, you know, that, that, that Bermuda blue shirt is not on everyone on Tuesday. So they, you know, they they script it and, you know, they always look great. I mean, and now that's what we see the week before the majors. Every single sort of blog that has anything to do with style or fashion or any dress. I mean, all of those blogs, they're filled with companies sending out these Illustrations and photographs and sketches of what all the players are going to be wearing. So it's yeah. important. And now yeah. you go into the golf shop, you know, at a at it, it, it the PGA or the Ryder Cup, and you can buy the exact same thing that the players are wearing. So I mean, it 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 helps everyone. Your yeah, know-
1: thoughts on Nike nike's clothing like i know brooks and rory now even sometimes they kind of wear some i guess more out there outfits than someone like a dustin johnson with adidas or a mora with adidas like they have the camouflage the weird looking hats almost what are, what are your thoughts on that
2: well you know you can tell a lot about a player's personality from the way they put themselves together we're You know, we're chatting today about how the companies sort of provide all of this stuff for the players. Well, the players have a voice. And based on their personality, you know, someone like a, like a Brooks Koepka, you know, he's going to speak up. He's going to wear, you know, what he's comfortable wearing. And uh, I can remember when when Adidas first signed Dustin Johnson, he uh, I had a discussion with with them at the at that exact time we were talking about here's a great athlete 6 foot 4 hits it a mile and I I remember saying to them you know you could make him look 6 foot 6 if you dressed him all in the same color so he had blue trousers a blue belt a blue shirt so you just see one color, you'd see one silhouette. Most people know I'm a little nervous around people that have white belts. And that's generally because people, a lot of people that wear white belts, you know, are wearing a white belt with a with a pair of blue trousers and they either look like a crossing guard or they're part of a marching band, but in, in that white belt cuts you in half. So, you know, I don't think that that's a great look. So the players have have a pretty good voice in, in what they're wearing. And in most all of these companies, uh, you know, Terrell Hatton, I mean, I think he sort of stumbled into, man, it's cold. And Adidas sent me these, these hoodies. I'm going to wear one of these hoodies today. I mean, it's freezing, you know, but he wasn't the first one to wear a hoodie on tour. Justin Thomas was about four years ago at Riviera, uh, which is played in, in, as you guys know, in March. It can, it can get to be Pretty chilly in March in LA. If it's cloudy and that wind is blowing and you're riv, well, he was, you know, I was there one morning and he he showed up, you know, with a with a fabulous washable cashmere uh hoodie made by Ralph Lauren, Polo Golf. And boy, you know, it looked terrific. And and he wore it to warm up. And I said, You're gonna wear that when you're born? And he went, Yeah, I'm gonna wear it until it warms up outside. So, you know, I think the players today have have a much greater voice than perhaps they had 25 years ago when they would just open a box of clothes and oh, okay, well. I guess this goes with that. Now, you know, some players are are challenged by color. Little secret here I don't know if you know that Jack Nicholas is sort of a little colorblind. Oh. So when he would pack for trips, Mrs. Nicholas would say to him, Jack, If you wear a pattern bottom, wear a solid top, or vice versa, if you wear a a striped shirt, you know, wear solid trousers, and those white shoes, they'll go with everything. So that's why if you look at all of these great photographs of Jack through the years, you'll notice that, you know, that was sort of his mantra when it came to getting dressed. And, you know, he always looked great, you know, in 15 different sizes through his right. career.
3: Yeah, I'm looking right yeah. now. It's very noticeable. Like striped shirt, um, you know, solid bottom or like plaid bottom, solid shirt. Very noticeable. Yeah, and it works. Yes. Every time, every color, too. Yeah.
2: So maybe that's a good lesson for everyone.
0: I'll have to take that into account the next time I'm putting together an outfit for a round.
3: I mean, yeah. And so speaking about color, I feel like we can't go through color without discussing Ricky Fowler and uh, the orange that he wears. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, he's very loyal to his school. You know, he went to Oklahoma State. Their their school color is orange. And he will wear orange, something orange, every single Sunday in every tournament. And, you know, he's sort of made orange into, if you say golf and orange, people will say Ricky Fowler. So he's succeeded in sort of associating himself, just as Tiger has with that Sunday red shirt. So, you know, I think it's great. And I think you should dress to your personality. And, and, and that's one of my main ground rules is if you have to stand in front of the mirror for longer than 10 seconds, go change. Because as soon as you have son, does this look okay. Chances are, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have that attitude. And you know, if you if you dress good and if you look good and if you play good, those manufacturers will pay good. So thanks, Deon Sanders. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think today having a signature is is a really cool thing because think about that how many other guys on tour have some sort of style signature I mean I guess we sort of associate well we've got we've got orange with Ricky we've got the red shirt with Tiger
0: got the uh, mock neck with Tiger
2: the Mock mock neck you know how that mock neck began you know Tiger fell in love with that mock neck back when Cutter and Buck was doing the Ryder Cup uniforms for the US team.
0: What was that?
2: Oh god, that was going to be 2000 the early 2000s.
0: I didn't know Cutter and Buck is that old of a brand. I thought I I feel like they've I've seen a lot of their new uh like, you know, initiatives marketing <clears throat> marketing initiatives, but I, I didn't know that they were that old of a brand.
2: Oh, they've been around since the since the since the mid 90s, and they were a big in the old days, they were a really big player. Yeah. I mean, they had a huge business. And Joey Rodolfo, who was one of the founders of the company and their head designer, he had designed a shirt with a with a neck that was pretty high rather than having a collar. It just had sort of a higher neckline tiger had a cold tiger wore one of those shirts on Monday and absolutely loved it and said to Joey, Hey, I love this. I'm going to wear this shirt all the time. This shirt is great. It works. And, uh, you know, since then he's, he's kind of put the, that mock neck on the map. Now, if you're If you're Tiger Woods, you can wear that and And he's not the first one to wear a sort of a collarless shirt. I mean, you know, if you look at pictures of Byron Nelson when he won eleven straight that year, he was wearing a beautiful plain white t-shirt. You know, and he didn't get any letters from the club going oh <clears throat> Mr. Mr. Nelson, you're going to have to, you know, rethink your wardrobe a little bit. Uh, you know, Byron Nelson was also, I think the the I should say the the person that adapted the umbrella for the golf course. He didn't invent the umbrella, but he went to Haas Jordan who was an umbrella maker in Ohio. And he requested that they make an umbrella for him uh, that had a straight handle so he could either put it inside his golf bag or on the outside of his golf bag and it wouldn't catch on anything. And with a slightly larger canopy so that he could really make certain that he stayed dry and I remember going to talk to him, I think it was 2004, at the tournament at TPC in Dallas. And, and I, I sort of fact-checked that with him, and, and he said, yes, uh, Haas Jordan was the company, and, and, and you've got the story straight. So, um, you know, I feel, feel pretty comfortable in sharing that with you.
0: That's really interesting. That's I uh, yeah, that's definitely something I feel like the normal person would just stumble upon uh you know that yeah, kind of information. Definitely. <laughs> um so I actually had a question so I I was saying earlier that I didn't know Cutter and Buck um you know had been around that long and I feel like in golf a lot of companies kind of come in and out as big players I think like you know I feel like Cleveland Golf just in like equipment at least has done the same thing they've kind of fallen out what brands do you think that are like maybe on the smaller side right now, you know, in fashion, um, in the world of golf, do you think are going to get bigger?
2: Uh, well, you know, I, I might be able to make some predictions when it comes to apparel, but I I don't think I want to make any predictions when it comes to equipment or stuff like that. I mean, I happen to think, by the way, that um, the cleveland you know owns Shrixon. on mm-hmm. and i think that tricks on iron is talking about style i think that's probably if i were going to pick an iron to play just based on style you know i i think i might have to go with that now brooks, brooks sure. kept brooks
1: likes it yeah yeah brooks yeah. likes it
2: yeah and and brooks seems to be very very happy but there are some smaller companies that are growing. Uh, you've got companies like um, Grayson uh, that makes the clothes that Sam Ryder wears. Uh, a lot of a lot of their players, you know, are very very noticeable because they look. You know, they look very, very stylish, very, very purposeful, and um, you know they're one of those companies that's you know that's growing beautifully. There are lots of uh, young companies in the in the women's area, you know, that are getting bigger and better and more available. Uh, so the the marketplace um. Uh, sort of evolves. It's not, there's no earthquake here. Uh, There are smaller companies. Ashworth, by the way, is finally coming back. Ashworth and Cutter & Buck, which 20 years ago was some of the dominant brands in golf that have since faded away. Now some people have purchased the Ashworth name and Ashworth, is coming back into the marketplace. And John Ashworth, who was the founder uh, of, of that company, he's got a brand called Link Soul, which is a little bit like, uh, well, it's it, it's that California lifestyle. It's comfortable, it's casual. You can wear it on the golf course. You can wear it off the golf course. I mean, it's great stuff, you know. Another company like that is uh Travis Matthew, where you know it's it's just got that laid-back feel to it, that sort of California surf look. And it's it's comfortable and 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 people love it.
0: Yeah, and there's you know another one. So we've like partnered with this uh brand Roback. Uh, over the past oh, year, and we guys,
2: love. great. Actors. Yeah, we
0: love Roback.
2: Yeah, they're from uh, they're from Maryland, but I think uh, the one of the founders is from Connecticut and mm-hmm. uh, from Ridgefield and Silver think, Spring. Yeah, S- Silver Spring Country Club, right? Yep, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great brand. You could only buy Roback, Roback, and when it started out was only available online I think now we're starting to see it more I know that occasionally I'll, I'll see it in the style pages in golf digest and golf magazine uh, they'll be uh, they'll be featuring uh, you know one of the one of the rowback styles and and the stuff looks great there's another company uh, that's that's growing right now that i think has really elegant golf apparel it's called holderness and born
0: we, yeah we've and, also they've sent us some stuff too i, I love holderness and born they yeah. Um, yeah. they're in a lot of pro shops they're i know they're like Seminole golf club wingfoot i believe
2: yeah you're dropping yeah. a lot of names here patrick yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're probably at a thousand golf clubs right now, which is, you know, which is pretty good distribution. And then underneath that Holdeness and Bourne, I have a Lyle and Scott.
0: I have not heard of that one.
2: Sure. And they're coming back into the market and they're going to be exhibiting at the golf show in January And it's an English company. Gosh, they've been around since the 19th century. And, uh, you know, they make some some pretty stylish stuff. And, uh, you know, you're going to see them at some of the golf shops. You're going to probably see them. uh, I bet you could see them right now on Trendy Golf. That's a great website for stylish, trendy merchandise. Those. Those guys are way ahead of the curve.
1: Yeah. I'm looking looking at some of their stuff right now. I like, I I like it. It's just definitely, it kind of reminds me of the rope, like the rope back kind of stuff. And I like it a lot.
2: Yeah. Well, they're, you know, they're, they have the cutting edge, if you will, style wise. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that's, that's one of the great go-to websites. If I want to check on what's going on, that's one of the first places I'm going to look.
1: Right, gotcha. What are your thoughts on Phil? What the all black, the dress shirt that he, long sleeve dress shirt that he's worn, uh, where some some of his outfits are a little little out there as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm a little nervous about this one, guys, because for a couple of years, on um, some time ago probably 15 years ago, for two years, I helped Phil and Amy sort of sort out Phil's wardrobe. And I have to admit, I was the one that gave Phil that speech about, if you wear all blue, if you wear all black, and I mean all black you know you will create a much more impactful image and you know phil you know took that to heart and and i think phil is is pretty darn stylish today you know he and if you see him off the course he also looks great now here's someone who just carries himself with confidence no matter what he does and we all know that Phil's the authority on pretty much everything,
0: yeah he um so you're talking about like the the all black the all blue um how how did he kind of take to that? Because I feel like if you tell him he's gonna look good in something, you know Phil, I feel like phil's like like you say he's very confident how did how did he take to that did he
2: well patrick i'm now I'm gonna let you into a on another secret. Go ahead. sometimes the best way to get someone to buy into something is to just give them enough clues that they come up with a conclusion so that they feel in their mind, right? You know, if I had everything on the same color, it would it would create great impact. So if you let people discover things themselves, they tend to, you know, uh, be a lot more loyal, you know, to their own sort of thoughts. And, and and I think Phil's Phil's a great example of that. You know, it's like, I could tell you right now, just Google Seve, no matter what image you pick of Seve, you know, on the computer, he's going to look like a million bucks. He's, he's going to look great. Now, you know, one year Seve was wearing boss. One year Seve was wearing, you know, IZOD but Seve at the end of the day, always had like a great white shirt and a great pair of beautiful Navy trousers or a, or a Navy uh, shirt and a you know, pair of gray trousers, and he always looked great.
3: Yeah, so we're going to put you a little bit on the spot here, just speaking about players. Who, first off, who has the who do you think has the best style of anyone that's played golf pretty much? Um, and then opposed to that, who do you think has the worst style?
2: Matt Wallace has the best style, hands down, of any player in golf, on any tour, on a global basis, and it, there's not even a discussion worthy about it. I mean, he, he'd look great throwing out the trash. Uh, Dustin Johnson also looks terrific all of the time, you know, whether he's getting out of his truck and going fishing, or whether he's hitting balls in the range, Anytime you see Dustin and it's not like he's wearing fancy stuff, but he's wearing the right size and he carries himself with such great confidence that, you know, he sort of sells it. So those are sort of examples of some guys that look good all the time. I mean, I would say almost all of the Grayson portfolio. Uh, guys like Sam Ryder. I mean, Sam always looks terrific. Uh, I would say for for people that that players, golfers that need help. I would say uh, the entire Champions Tour, the entire tour, all of them. They are still stuck in the, the past. Wrong size. They they. They're into habits that they've had for 25 years. They're not about to change. And they got to start looking in the mirror a little bit. So, you know, because they break most of the rules. And they do it because it's familiar. You know, so then, then that's oftentimes, you know, why people keep doing it. I mean, it just, it's familiar. That's what they know.
0: Yeah. Can't teach a old dog, new tricks, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, we love Marco Mira, uh, you know, but Marco Mira dresses like Marco Mira. Right.
0: Well, I mean, does anybody else have any questions? I feel like this has been a, a gold
1: mine of,
0: of, of <laughs> quotes, you
1: know, I got, I, I got one more. You we had Joe LaCava and obviously you gotta give us one Joe LaCava story just so cause I know you're, I know you know him pretty well before you go. Yeah. You know,
2: gosh, Joe's one of the really cool guys. And if you were writing a book on how to be a great caddy, there's no question that, that Joe would be, you know, in most of that book. Trevor, I can remember seeing Joe on a Monday at 630 at night in March down at sawgrass, just walking on the golf course and 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 sort of stepping out yardages and just verifying the distances that he had in his yardage book so when it came time for the tournament he really knew okay about 7 yards in here we've got these trees cutting in and you can't see it from the tee because it's on a different angle and you know he Joe Lacaba always did his homework and i think all Paul Tesori all of you know all of the great Caddies that are out there, they all do plenty of, they, they do plenty of legwork, you know, to get prepared. It's not like they just show up, shut up, you know, carry the bag. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they, they provide a support for the players. So, you know, I think Joe's a great one, Trevor. And you had him on the, on the show recently didn't you
0: yeah i think we, we, had, him back we had him on in in march? march yeah 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 <laughs> no that was awesome he, he he's he's one of the nicer guys i feel like you you can talk to in the golf world
2: yeah oh he's he he's great you know and he's got a lot of that fred couples in him he's just he's very likable he's very approachable and, uh, you know, I see him around town. He's he's always got a kind word and, you know, and a big smile and a big hello. And, you know, as it, you know, Patrick, just from from spending a little bit of time with him, he makes you feel like, you know, you've known him for 20 years. Oh, yeah. He, he, he just gives you that sort of that comfort, right? I mean, and. And I think that's a special thing when people have the ability to do things like that.
3: Yeah. As we learned, just don't get on the wrong side of Tiger though, around Joe. Uh, He'll, uh, he'll come after you. Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, Stevie, the same way. Uh, Yeah. I guess in, in, in my, uh, in, in my brief career on tour, I, I, I was one of probably one of the the few journalists that ever actually spent some time with Stevie because, um, you know, most of the beat writers that were writing about the play, you know, they didn't want to get too close to Stevie. And, and you know, he was an interesting person, caddied for some of the greatest players and knows a lot about stock cars too so he's he's another person that's it's fun to get stuck at the airport with that's always one of my great gauges about you know a person if you feel you could spend an hour and a half on a delayed flight to florida and just you know shooting the breeze with someone you know, a guy like Joe LaCava, geez, he'd be great company for an hour and a half.
0: Uh, definitely. That's a, Yeah, that's a great way to assess, you know, your friendship level with someone, too. I feel like, you know, would you want to spend an hour and a half in the airport with them?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. We all know how you feel about your spending an hour and a half with your older brother at the airport. Yeah, or at exactly. least I know I do. <laughs> You know, yeah, we love him, but he's always on my case.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know that yeah, I feel like you told us more than I than I could have hoped for. Um, that was uh, that was a really good uh, time talking to you.
2: Well, I enjoyed it very much, Patrick, Trev, Greg. It was great. So, you know, call me anytime.
0: Definitely. Yeah, we'll do it. Thanks, Thank you Thanks so much.
3: again. Thanks for coming on.
2: Turn the light on when you get dressed in the morning.
3: Yeah, probably should. <laughs> Make sure.
2: <laughs> See you guys. You.
1: See, ya. Yeah. See you. Later. Thanks again.
2: Bye.
0: All right. So that was 50 minutes with Marty Hackle. Um, right off the bat, I feel like I, got, I have to mention. We did that interview a little bit ago, so it's not fresh in my mind, but I do have to say that was our best interview yet in terms of like actual content.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he knows everybody in golf. He had something about everyone like from, you know, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger was Phil Mickelson. He was just name dropping like everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So much knowledge about like just all the brands and like even just the new style. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was really good. Gave me a nice knows, we, jab we could,
0: at one point in the episode. It was funny.
1: <laughs> we we could potentially be having him on in another couple months too. The PGA show is uh, mm-hmm. in end of end of January actually. So yeah, I think yeah, it's in January. For yeah, sure. so we may, we 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 could be having him on and, and again soon. Let's look out for that. Uh, no, it was it was an awesome awesome interview. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. So look out for another interview sometime
0: in, you know, let's call it February, maybe, maybe March.
3: Yeah. I'm gonna we'll definitely just try to get more interviews, like in general for 2022, the pin high podcast, first episode, 2022. Yep. Um, we definitely want more interviews. Talk to more people around golf that, you know, people, we don't know people we do know, like everybody has stories. Precisely. Yeah. Golf is coming back this week, boys. Can't oh yeah. Wait.
0: <laughs> Can't wait. I mean, We'll get into that on Wednesday. I don't need to talk about it now. But uh, yeah, so enjoy listening, or I hope you enjoyed listening to the Marty Hackle episode. We'll see you on Wednesday.